Stack a big G, not a biscuit. I'm a ma, I'm a ma. Hi, welcome to this episode of This I Can Do podcast. A podcast where you meet people like me who are building a life where creativity meets impact. And I'm really looking forward to sharing with you what exactly it is that drives me. Wouldn't it be great if you could listen to voices who matter? People who take their place seriously in the world, but also still maintain a sense of joy and curiosity about where they are and where they're headed. On this show, creativity meets impact, one cup of tea at a time. I am your host. My name is Josephine Karianjahi. All right, everybody, I have been spending lots and lots of time working with a tremendous individual, a true, 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 real for real person um, on Africa Podfest. And today, she is my guest. Please, Yay. please join me in giving Melissa Mbogwa a warm, warm welcome. Welcome, welcome, Melissa. Thank you so much, Joe. This has been a long time coming. Mm-hmm. And how exciting, how exciting that we get to have this conversation. And who knows what we're going to discover anew about each other from this chat. You know? Um, and you, you and I work a lot on creativity and, and our work has tremendous impact and I use the, I don't yeah. use the word tremendous lightly, but before we mm. get into chatting, I want to give the people a little taste of mm. who you are. And for mm. those of you who don't know Melissa, Melissa is a Nairobi born, Nairobi based and devoted to Nairobi professional who is uh, creative at heart and in practice. In her own words, she says, I imagine, design, and build next-generation creative ventures so that upcoming Africans around the world can experience wider cultural and economic freedom. Melissa is a possibility fairer. She is definitely building the future of African media. She's my co-director at Africa Podfest, one of four fearless leaders at NBO Film Fest, and she has her own podcast called Pros and Pos, which you have to check out. So, Melissa, tell me, when you were young, what were you mm. known for in school? <laughs> I'm laughing because I know the answers. <laughs> I don't have to think about this. <laughs> tell the people. <laughs> I was known for being clever, like passing, doing well at school. Yeah. For being social, just knowing, having friends in like all over the school, no matter their class, like mm-hmm. which class they were in. Mm-hmm. I was known for doing extracurricular, like for doing the most mm-hmm. sports, art, performing um, during any event, prize giving day, etc. Yeah. Being a scout. I was known for being social even outside of school. Like, so I was, I guess, known for pretty much similar stuff that I'm known for now. Just being creative and person about town. Yes, and doing a lot of things at the same time is what I'm hearing from you. Yes. Um, yes. 
And so, you know, so for me, when I was in school, I took up volleyball for maybe one term. And I thought mm-hmm. I got pretty good. And then I dropped it. And mm-hmm. then I picked up something else and I dropped it. So I wonder, like, out of all the things that you did, being a scout uh, as a standout and also all these other different things, did you end up becoming an outdoorsy person? Oh, for sure. I am such an outdoorsy person. And that's where the opposite ends of that spectrum, you and I. Yeah. All the things where you'd be like, nope, why am I camping? I'll be like, yes, camping is it. <laughs> so you camp camp, like the real deal in terms of like you set out the, the you know, all the all the, the tools, like the pitch your own tent, yes, start your own yes, fire. Pitch, well, maybe not start my own fire, but, <laughs> but yeah, I pitch a tent and I have pitched my own tent. I have mm-hmm. a sleeping bag, like I can sleep on the hard ground even just with like a ground mat. Mm-hmm. Um, do the whole cooking on a like makeshift, you know, camping gear and eating food out of pans with rations, you know, and going <laughs> fishing. I also like gone fishing literally to catch catch the food. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do that whole thing and I really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would enjoy right now the sleeping on the ground part mm-hmm. that I would need like because even an air mattress these days is not enough I feel like I need a little more softness for a mattress or like firmness yeah. or rather a little bit more mattress in mm-hmm. how I sleep yeah but everything else I'm yes I'm so outdoorsy I love hiking yeah even in a restaurant I always prefer to sit outside like I'm that person like even before this whole situation with the pandemic and how we all now prefer to sit outside yeah, in fact, I secretly chuckled to myself because now no one argues with me when they say I want to sit outside, even when it's cold. <laughs> so to me, that's one plus side of, of the chaos that we're going through is that outside now is uh, preferred. <laughs> yeah, yeah, outside is outside is the new inside, and 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 thank the Lord for that. Like that's that's really something that. Um, I can agree with for sure. So in terms of like when you sit outside and you kind of think through like your typical weekend, where do we find you? Like what kind of a setup are you in? Typical weekend, you will find me in the forest at Karura Forest, which Mm -hmm. is nearby to Mm -hmm. where I live. I go there by default unless otherwise, you know, every weekend I'm there except if there's an exception. If something happens that my schedule doesn't allow me to go. Yeah. Um, so that's where you find me. Mm-hmm. If I'm socializing, meeting up with people, you will also find me somewhere with outside, <laughs> with outside seating. Yeah. Yeah. Having lunch or coffee or a drink um, and just enjoying somewhere where there's music mm-hmm. and outdoors. Um, and I really, really love the sun and sunny weather, even the uncomfortable heat that we're used to in this part of the world. I really love that weather to wear that, like sandals. You'll also find me dressed casually, like sandals, mm-hmm. shorts, t-shirt. I prefer to just be casual, you know, a la in the direction of being camping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so good people, you will not find um, Melissa chilling in shorts in the Arctic or in Antarctica. <laughs> she will be, <laughs> she will be near the sun. So anywhere, anywhere along the equator, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming. <laughs> Yes, anywhere along the equator. I prefer hot places. I'm not into cold places. Um, I also will be caught reading. 
very easily you will catch me reading in said cafe with outside seating. Oof. So what are you reading now? Mm-hmm. Now that we are, we are on this on the subject. Yeah, right now I am reading a book called Skin in the Game by Nassim Nicholas Taleb, who's like who's a trader slash philosopher slash just awesome provocateur of the status quo. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very interesting book about how risk essentially is what makes life worth it or anything in life worth it. Mm-hmm. And so Skin in the Game means how much of your own um, self um, are you putting at risk when you're just doing even day-to-day stuff, um, living day-to-day in any form of relationship, any business you're doing, any kind of venture you decide to go into really interesting philosophy um, book. Very okay, practical. Okay, also. so you heard it first. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. It's Skin in the Game and the author is? Nassim Nicholas Taleb. It's a 2017 book, I think, or thereabout, if not a little earlier. Oh, so only two years ago. Yeah, it's 2017, two years ago. Uh, we are only four? counting from 2020. <laughs> We're not counting the long years okay. of 2020 and 2021. So if you say 2017, I think everybody can agree. It's just, it's two years it's two ago. Two years. It's only two I years love ago. It. And I'm going with this. Okay, it's yes, it's 2017, yes. aka two years ago. Yes. yes. So <laughs> anyone who's looking for a book that you need to dig into, um, Melissa is talking about her book, which is uh, Skin in the Game, and she um, has brought us to a, a good juncture to start talking about where she is in terms of, like, what are you working on, Melissa, in terms of your, your current projects? Because we, we talked, we, we introed you, but we haven't really, really, really uh, dug in. And I'll start with, I also read that you're the uh, on the board of Creatives for Climate Change. So I'd love to hear about that and other projects that you're working on. Yeah. Ooh, okay. Exciting stuff. So I'm last year, I decided that I was going to just start to do something actively about climate sustainability, about Mm -hmm. climate change, even though it feels like this overwhelming big problem Mm. and I do not, I'm no expert in any way, but then I just thought, you know what, let me do something. And so a friend of mine, a former workmate of mine actually started this initiative called a global initiative, Mm -hmm. connecting people who consider themselves creatives. Mm -hmm who work in advertising, marketing, media, film, even just, you know, even who are not working in those fields, but who consider themselves creative Mm -hmm. and who want to do something about climate change. So this is um, a global community where you can come together, learn, collaborate on actual projects on the ground from around the world to, to get closer to impact. Because a lot of the crisis or the challenge right now in climate change is that it's not well understood Mm-hmm. Because not well communicated. Yeah, yeah. Big one. So big one. I joined, exa- exactly. So I joined Creatives for Climate and then I was invited to join the advisory board mm-hmm. and said yes. Um, so it's really a learning journey for me. Mm-hmm. I get to meet through this network people from around the world who are from, you know, environmentalists who are deep experts mm-hmm. um, in what's going on in the climate to other, you know, upcoming, I guess, activists like myself <laughs> yes. or just people who are interested like myself. And we just ask ourselves the hard questions. We ask each other 
uh, questions, we learn from each other. And so recently I started to speak out more about how Africans are really not representing the way I know we could be and need to be representing ourselves and, and, and the space we need to be occupying in the global conversation about climate change, considering yeah. we are the most vulnerable mm-hmm. to, the, to what's going on um, with climate change. Yeah. Just because of the way we're already exposed with our governance structures and our economic situations and so on. So to me, it just makes absolutely no sense that the solutions are being discussed outside without Africans at the table. Mm-hmm. And yet we are a whole big chunk of the world's population. It makes no sense. Mm-hmm. And also we have equatorial forests. We have um, the Nile. I mean, like natural resources-wise, environmentally. Mm-hmm. We are a part of this system, a very significant part of the global environmental system. So how is it then that we don't have a voice that mm-hmm. matches our contribution in the world, you know? Yeah, yes. so that's where I'm at on this climate, um, in, in, the, in the climate movement. Mm-hmm. I'm still learning, but also starting to speak up more. Right, right. I, I like the idea of doing one, you know, just taking one step and saying, hey, I'm not an expert, but I want to try and do something. I'm an African. I want to add my voice to the space. I'm me. You're you. We need to add our voices to the space. And that's really cool. Yeah. And it. thanks for saying that. It took a lot of battling imposter syndrome to get there to the also, point where I could just do it. Mm-hmm. Because I just felt like, oh, so now if I speak up and 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 I don't, it's not like I have the answers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, I just didn't. I felt very scared to put myself out there because you know, like, who are you to say this? You're saying this as who? Mm-hmm. Um, what are your credentials on this topic? You know, but my credentials to mm-hmm. speak up about climate sustainability are that I am a, a resident of the home we call Earth. Yep, and that's more than enough honestly, because the point at which we are now and the way things are going with the climate, we all are very valid. We all are very valid speakers and activists to keep our home safe. I hear you. And I hope folks who are listening can appreciate that it takes every single one of us. It's not going to be solved by thinking and waiting for the next big conference. It's not going to be solved that way. So thank you mm-hmm. for doing what you're doing in, and please, um, please let us know how we can help um, in terms of the, the ways that we can plug in as creatives and the ways that um, ordinary people can get involved in agitating for so real solutions from the people who are creating the biggest impact, as well as those of us who are creating, we're also creating impact, but we don't necessarily know um, all the ways that we're doing that. So what else are you working on in terms of uh, your day-to-day? The other projects I'm working on are media-related. One is NBO Film Festival, Mm -hmm. which you had mentioned in the intro, which is an independent film festival in Nairobi that's four years old. And we have been screening African, contemporary African films and films from the African diaspora as well. Mm -hmm. Um, We took a break last year, but are now in October going to be hosting the first ever, like a fully virtual 
festival. Mm-hmm. So we're looking forward to that. And my role at NBO Film Fest is really admin growth. I think about what you know how how do we set ourselves up to grow sustainably mm-hmm. and to be able to become like economically commercially um uh, uh an independent and strong institution mm-hmm. which is whew, as you would know you have to think you have to play the long game you have to think long term it's hard work yeah um you have to say yeah you can't just go choosing short term wins mm. if they're not going to support you five years down the line, 10 years down the line, because NBO Film Fest is, is uh, it's set up and our goal mm-hmm. is to make film a very strong public cultural institution in Kenya. Mm. Because film is a very powerful tool by which we negotiate our culture as a society. It's a very strong tool that shows us shows us who we are and where we are at you know at each moment. Yeah, it's just a very powerful tool. Um, so so this is it, it goes beyond just blockbuster Hollywood success commercially. Yeah, what we are looking at is the ecosystem, the film ecosystem. So it's a very kind of slow slow burn, but hopefully a very bright burn um, <laughs> in the end. Yes, yes. And you yeah, you said that yeah. you're one of four. Uh, who else four, is working yeah. with you at NBO Film Fest? Ooh, I get to work with some really, really amazing humans who are also very brilliant creatives. Mm-hmm. So on the team is Mbifi Mafia, who's an award-winning filmmaker, also a musician. Yes. Um, yeah, just an all-round brilliant star in, in in our generation. Yeah. Then I then the other director is Sheba Hurst, mm-hmm. who is well, I don't even know how to say she's a real leader in the cultural space mm-hmm. in Kenya. Yeah. And has been for, for many years mm-hmm. and continues to be. She's very much um, like a, a, a very strong advocate for building strong public institutions mm-hmm. in the arts and culture. And then Thirdly is Louisa, Louisa Wanjiko, who is also a filmmaker, brilliant, and she's more well, on the technical side. She's an editor. She's a brilliant editor. So she edited um, Mbisi's film Katikati. Yes. And if you watch Katikati, it's beautiful. I have. And everyone who's yeah. listening, if you've if you've never if never seen any of any any film like Katikati, there's nothing that exists quite like it. I mean, it's. You've seen a film you think is like it, but you haven't quite watched it. So if you if you could describe <laughs> Katikati in like one line, what would it be, Melissa? Oh, it's mind-boggling and beautiful. Mm-hmm. At the same time, yeah, you you never really grasp it. Mm. <laughs> you know, mentally, it's one of those that it kind of it makes your mind very uncomfortable mm. in a good way. Mm-hmm. But it's so aesthetically just beautiful, also and sonically beautiful, in a I, dark way, also ish. Yeah, I can't disagree with you. I can't. I cannot disagree <laughs> yeah. with you. Like it's, if you haven't checked it out, um, Kati Kati film um, is you know you should look out for it. Um, it's been it's it's a 2016 film um, and it's so relevant, especially now. 
So how do you four work together? Like what makes what makes that project work well? You know, if if you could if you could sum it up. It's number one, everybody on the team knows what they're bringing in, like what our strengths are. Mm-hmm. And we kind of, we just get out of each other's way to make sure, because we, we bring very different things yeah. to the table. And so we, we, we've created a culture where we can get out of each other's way. And so there's a lot of respect in that sense. Mm. Um, and then secondly is also we're always challenging even we, so, even today we will challenge our our decisions of yesterday, mm. and just think: was that really, you know, was that really the best decision in light of what I have now learned today? You know, mm. we're we're never kind of we're never content and static in that sense. We are always just dynamic and learning and questioning and observing the environment. We just we're artists. <laughs> yes, yes, and and True artists, you know, just. <laughs> Giving each other that space to to lean lean your your talents into the into the work that's so that's so compelling. Yes, very compelling. And then we also allow ourselves to be very ambitious mm. and to just kind of bring things to the table and then let them sit. You know, which is also part of the creative process is you just bring it all, dream big. And don't cut it down prematurely. Let it just kind of take its own shape, mm-hmm. even if it takes a year. Yeah, where it ends up is where it ends up. There's a NBA is a very artistic culture. <laughs> yes, yes, uh, yeah. It and, sounds and like so for it's... me, it's, it's a release in that sense. Also, it's a really open space to allow myself to think very differently. I like that because it's it it ties in with something I read that you wrote. So you mm-hmm. last year wrote this piece on imagining a museum of Nairobi, and mm-hmm. you asked the question. So Nairobi, it says uh, Nairobi's culture is very diverse and dynamic, and then you asked the question: What if we found ways to organize and archive evolving culture and its different artistic expressions in audio, video, photography, fashion, written words, sculpting, architecture? all the different ways we're expressing ourselves in this new millennium. What if we had a way to archive culture on the internet? And what if the archive could, uh, could update in tandem as culture evolves? Oh my gosh, I wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> Says the writer. <laughs> right, yeah. No, hearing someone else say it, um, it, it sounds so... Like, it sounds so much more articulate when hearing someone else say it than it does in my mind. And yes, I do still really, I would love to do that project. So my whole idea behind that is what if we could go somewhere on the internet Mm -hmm. and experience Nairobi's cultural expressions in real time? Yeah. So you know how, like, for example, now you'd go on a website, let's say... Um, you know, a museum website, yeah. for example, mm-hmm. you'd, you'd be seeing what, you know, you'd be seeing the, the exhibits that are currently at the museum, the collection that's at the museum. Yeah. But that's not going to tell you what's the current emerging music trend in the particular city mm-hmm. right now. Like, yeah. it's not going to tell you what gig happened last night that's popping or which music videos 
mm-hmm. are the hottest on YouTube or, you know, so what events and gatherings are happening or what's the fashion like? What are the coolest podcasts right now that are popping? Mm-hmm. So for me, I have this desire to see what the internet can do to help me travel time. So if I go on this site mm-hmm. and I want to see what was the edgiest thing in 2010 mm-hmm. on the inter- via what has been put on the internet only, yeah. what was Nairobi like in 2010? Then we'll see like just a band's music whatever the fashion was at the time, yeah. Uh, which movies were popping at the time, what were the events. Yeah. And then if I can move that to like 2011, 2012, 20, so that I can see the journey of Nairobi's culture mm. up to today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, I don't know if, that, if, if I've expressed it well um, for you to go on the journey with me on, on what this is I'm envisioning. So I just want it to be more than simply a listing that's static. Yeah. And, and of the past. Yeah, but to be very, very, very what is listed today, and then bringing in all the cultural stuff that's happening in the city into kind of a one, one, uh, one point accesses all. That would be because incredible. I think it would be a really that would be incredible, and I think the technology is available to make that happen. It is. It's a it pro- is. Yeah, it's a dream project of mine, actually. I cannot wait to see it because that's also a question. I think the question of like, how do you, how do you keep the memory of culture? I mean, our own memories can Mm. be quite fickle, can be very subjective. So if we agree, Mm. this is what we want to represent this time in our culture. Mm. I feel Mm. like it would even be from a multiplicity of perspectives because we all experience culture, even the same context, very differently. Very differently, exactly. So you know how, yeah, exactly. Because there's a living memory in people, mm-hmm. in us, in the yeah. stories we tell and in what we remember. So the project is really trying as much as possible mm-hmm. to document this on the internet. And it's possible because the internet never forgets. It's mm-hmm. just that the memories are stored all over the place and yeah. they've not been kind of brought together in one place so that we can time travel. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of like when you when you say, you know, when we think of like what we wish could happen, like we talked just a little bit um ago about we are only considering 2017 as 2 years ago. But that's our yeah. lived experience, you know, like time mm. travel then feels much more real because it, you can you can imagine going to a place that's real for you and and creating from that space or talking to that that version of yourself or that that person you are in that time. What would you say to that person? Uh, <laughs> I love that question and I'm giggling again because I know exactly what I'll tell them. The yeah. past past Mel. I'll tell past Mel to stop worrying and not stop, stop worrying about her validity mm. as you know the the validity of her existence or who she'll become or where she's going to just be be the fullest version of herself she can be today, you know? Yeah. That's something that took me a long time to learn. Yo, we are, I I had we are still students. Before. We are still students yeah. of the road. We are still students. Always, forever still students, right? So forever taking notes. So mm-hmm. that person, I think, I, would be very inspired yeah. by what you're working on now. Um, but 
overall, can you tell me who is your biggest inspiration or inspirations, plural? <laughs> inspirations, plural. Before we go to that, though, I haven't talked about the project that takes up the most of my attention. Wait, wait, wait. Currently. We will come. We will come to it. We okay, okay, okay. With okay, your project okay, life. Okay. I just, I, okay. I want to take this thread. Kidogo. Then now we come back. Okay. <laughs> Okay, okay. So this so if 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 you are to kind of like talk about who inspi- who's inspired your work so far, who would you say would that be? My biggest inspiration, you know, is is not even necessarily an artist or few. Well, I think she's a futurist, Professor Wangari Maathai. Mhm. And I know it's kind of expected nowadays to say who, that Professor Gramata is a role say, model. Who can say? So mm-hmm. for those who don't know who, who the late, great professor, Nobel laureate, scholar, activist, mother, you know, warrior for um, conservation is, could you tell us what who like Wangari Mathai is to you? Who Wangari Mathai is this warrior, as you described, who I used to see as a kid on TV being roughed up by the police, mm-hmm. talking about how we should protect forests. Mm-hmm. She was this woman I saw with other leading other women to protest for the release of political prisoners. And at the time, she just seemed really passionate and angry and tough. Yeah. And she fascinated me mm. because I also, I had the sense even then that what she was doing re- took a lot of boldness in the environment that that Kenya was at the time. Yeah. Where as a woman, to be first of all, she was a professor, and then she was doing you know this she was doing the dirty work. Mm. So I was just fascinated by her, and kind of scared. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. because her work was just she was really risking it all mm-hmm. at the time yeah. in, the, in the political regime that she was doing what she was doing yeah. and then over the years as I got to learn more about her work with Green Belt Movement and how she said that people just focus on that one little thing that she focuses she focuses on the one little thing she can do to make the world better mm-hmm. and her little thing is planting a tree. Mm. But then she mobilized so many people to plant trees and she saved this the forest I mentioned earlier that you find me at on the weekend, Karura Forest. Yes. She fought to save that forest. We wouldn't be enjoying that now if it wasn't for all her bold work. Hands down. Hands down. Hands down. And she was ahead of all the curves. Because here we are, like, (laughs) because she was already in Africa here leading and talking about climate change and conservation of the environment, etc., etc. And she's already through the Green Belt movement, basically through her work. Yeah. We already know she's created the manual for what we need to do for climate action in this part of the world. So we don't actually need to think that much. She's already thought, she already did all the groundwork high and the community she worked with have already done all the work. We just need to be aware, wake up and move. Yeah, she's done the homework. So, she did she left assignments. Mm-hmm. She she gave yeah. an example. She got awarded for yeah. it. Like 
I don't know what else we're waiting yeah. for. Yeah. I don't know what else we're waiting for, honestly. And she was just ahead of her time. <laughs> she really was. I remember, yeah. in addition to what you're saying, I remember mm-hmm. just seeing this powerful woman on TV and hearing her mm. voice. And whenever mm. they tried to grab her, I remember she'd always mm. be wearing African print. And that was mm. at a time when you didn't see too many people wearing African print, unless mm. there was a special occasion. Now it's a little bit mm. different. But I used to think mm-hmm. she's a professor, she's teaching, she's fighting the powers that be, she's doing all these things, and she looks so great. She's looking mm. radiant. She, you know, she mm. had a strong, clear voice, I think, that, yeah. you know, sort of made us all feel like she she could carry all our voices. And even if we didn't have a voice to speak, she would speak for us. And so I, oh, I, I share wow. that. I share that inspiration um, a lot. And I miss her too. I think um, for the folks who, who oh, haven't had a chance to, um, if you're lucky, there's a school named after Dr. Wangari Mathai in your neighborhood, um, some parts of the world have also named parks after her. There's um, several different offshoots of her work. Lots of people who um, decided to become hummingbirds. So, you know, because she used to say you, you can be like the hummingbird, you know, just keep going mm. and do your one little thing. So in, yeah. in, in kind of ask, going, you know, skipping our, our, main, our main project, which we work on together and kind of thinking about what inspires you. I want to mm-hmm. kind of set the stage a little bit. So if mm-hmm. you, if you, um, this is the first time you're listening to this podcast, you may or may not know who I am and who Melissa is, but you might have heard mm-hmm. of Africa Podfest, sometimes known as Africa Podcast Festival, other times known <laughs> as the ladies of the African podcasts, <laughs> sometimes known <laughs> as um, the festival and so many other names in between. So Africa Podfest is our brainchild. And I want to ask you, Melissa, to tell the people, what mm-hmm. exactly do we do mm-hmm. every day at Africa Podfest? <laughs> we think of ways to bring African podcasters together so that they feel part of a community and make their journey easier mm-hmm. as the emerging very powerful voices of Africa. Yeah. We spend, so we spend every day kind of figuring out how to make it easier for us to gather as a community, to learn Mm -hmm. um, and level up our podcasting game and how to make this industry an actual commercially sustainable industry. Indeed. Indeed. Make the industry an industry, the emerging industry. Yes, uh, yes. Uh, an established industry. Yeah, we're trying to make it established. <laughs> I would say we are in the heavy-duty imagination business. Would yes. you agree? Ooh, I love that. Can we make Can we make that our much T-shirts? I'm I'm taking a note. Have you, uh, just make it a note. <laughs> make it a note. We'll do that. Imagination. Yes, <laughs> we are. So we spend a lot of time thinking about things that don't necessarily come you know come together very naturally first of all we started this company when you know the world was we've we've always been a remote company but 
we especially became remote and we've had we've met people virtually almost from the very beginning that's crazy that that feels which so crazy people we trust and we work with on such important things (laughs) and we've never met in person we have not like we we how do you how has that kind of like how has working on africa pod fest allowed you to um expand your creative muscle it's given me confidence first of all to believe in the big big just dream big mm-hmm. that we actually do have the power to change the world you know how it sounds like oh change the world no, actually, we can have a very big impact in the world just yeah. from where we are mm-hmm. without necessarily having big budgets or, you know, big stages or anything fancy, really. Yeah. Just with an idea that whose time has come and that resonates. Yes. And with an uh, inclination to serve others. Yeah. You, we can actually make a very big difference in the world. So it's, it's given me so much confidence in my power and agency as an individual yeah. and in our power and agency as women who are all about creating a better world and, yeah. and, and, and leaving a really positive legacy for the generations to come. Yes, yes. So we don't have to fight it all alone Mm-mm. Like how Wangari Masai always seemed like she was alone, mm-hmm. you know, alone in the sense that at her level, she didn't seem to have many peers who got it. Mm. So it just, uh, this work at Africa Podcast has made me realize that thanks to the internet, yes, we can find our peers, mm-hmm. not necessarily close to us geographically, but we are there, and, and as long as we can talk and connect, yes. we can make a very big difference. We mm. can, we can. And I'd love to hear it from your perspective, you know, talking about the work mm. that we do at Africa Podfest and that we hope, mm. will, we, we hope that it will spark your own work as a podcaster. If you're listening to this as somebody who listens to podcasts or has never listened to a podcast, we hope you will check out our database of African podcasts on our website. Um, which is linked to in the show notes. And also I I look forward to a time when everyone will be thinking about African stories and thinking about African podcasters and connecting all those dots together. This I Can Do is a Sparkle with Josephine production. I am Josephine Karianjahe, host and producer. If you've enjoyed this episode of This I Can Do, please follow me on Instagram at Sparkle with Josephine. That's at S-P-A-R-K-L-E-W-I-T-H-J-O-S-E-P-H-I-N-E. I also have a Facebook page for the This I Can Do podcast. So let's con- connect over on Facebook as well. So see you in the next episode. And I can't wait to hear from you what this episode has been for you. And I've really, really been excited to put it together as well. Stack big G, not a biscuit. I'm a ma, I'm a ma.